0: Welcome to the premium, ad-free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. All right, well, I am here with Pastor Ed T. Harrow, who has been generous enough with his time to come and join me for a Testimony Tuesday. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. Appreciate the invite. Awesome. And so we are here to, uh, on these Testimony Tuesdays, we're sharing the personal stories and uh testimonies of pastors in our fellowship. And you get to be number three on the list. So thank you again for taking the time to do this. It's a great opportunity for us. Awesome. It's a privilege. Um, So I'm here uh, preaching in Spring Lake, North Carolina. You were generous enough to invite me to come preach. And uh, we just got done with our Sunday lunch after morning service. (laughs) So uh, we're, we're feeling fat and happy. And uh, uh, I know the, the time squeeze between services, so I re- just, just really appreciate you taking this time. So uh, for those who don't know you, Pastor Tijero, um, tell us a little bit about where you're from and, and uh, your background. i
1: um, born in Washington, D.C., uh, grew up in Maryland, went to school there, uh, parents. My father was uh, my first generation, I'm first generation American. Uh, my father's from Cuba, uh, my mother from Venezuela. And, uh, they met each other, uh, kind of crazy back. I didn't even know later on that my father was actually married to another woman. And, uh, so my mom was like the lady on the side. And, uh, but, uh, I found that out later on, but, uh, yeah, good, good background. Good. I mean, you know, my family and my dad was around, so it was good. My, my brothers and my mom had me when she was like 40 something, but, um, kind of Hispanic culture, grew up in that kind of environment, uh, with private schools, which was pretty good. Wow. And yeah. Yeah.
0: So does that mean your family was, was like well off?
1: No, no, <laughs> no. That's, uh, <laughs> funny is, uh, we, my mom wanted me to go to private school cause she just, you know, I think of better, better, better education. So she, so she, she struck, I mean, she worked hard. I mean, there were days where I'd come home and they'd, I'd open the fridge and there was just air waiting for me <laughs> and, uh, uh, I remember having, you know, putting you know barbecue sauce on crackers, and that's dinner and stuff like that. Uh, but you know, she worked really hard for us to be able to go to school and, and stuff like that. But whenever there was some income and stuff, definitely, I mean, you know, you see me, I'm, I stayed pretty healthy. <laughs> and uh, um, uh, but yeah, just uh, my brother was going to public school, you know, because she she got she put all her eggs in a basket with me.
0: Oh, yeah. you were the special one.
1: Yes, so, so in a way, you know. So I'm the oldest, the first. You know, she said, "Well, I'm gonna send you to private school. We'll go to private school with you. My brother goes to public school." But uh, I was a knucklehead. Ah, yeah. So I didn't appreciate. Uh, I didn't recognize the value of all the investment uh, and all that. And of course, I used my upbringing as an excuse. My father died when I was 12. Wow. You know, and uh, but that was a critical lesson for me. I remember his last words. I remember I was, I was at his bedside, uh, and he says, in Spanish, you know, and he says, you know, you're the man of the house. Now you need to take care of your, your home. I mean, at 12 years old, I'm, you know, with all the other Hispanics in the area, I'm working under the table 12 years old, putting down flooring and, you know, you know, trying wow. to go to school, and the weekends I'm working, trying to bring some money home. and So I had to grow up really fast. I had to grow up really, really fast. And uh, I kind of was. I'm only two years older than my brother, but I was like dad, you know, uh, in the house. So uh, that was that was pretty much my upbringing. But of course, I got around some crazy friends in school. I got into the drug scene. Uh, used, I started using all kind of drugs, hallucinogens, of course, marijuana, and, uh, crazy things, you know. And then uh, even. You know, this is even in during high school. You know, uh, try to sell drugs, selling drugs, just in crazy situations. Very crazy situations. Do you
0: think that um, that any of that wild lifestyle that you were in was that was that in any way like a backlash or maybe an anger of losing your dad when you were so young?
1: You know, to be honest, I I, I, I think I think it was a I Just wanted to fit in, honestly. To be honest, it was just. I always knew my mom always is like, I didn't, my dad to be, you know, later on, the the important part of the story of my father is that, you know, even though he was with my mom, he ended up leaving my mom and going back to his wife. Wow. Because he got saved. Really? Yes. My father says, I have to live for the Lord. I have to go back to my to my my wife and my
0: that is not a story you hear every
1: day no you know wow. and my so so my brothers and you know half brothers half sister who I barely met you know I'm meeting them he's like this is your half brother's half sister you know you know my dad gave his life to Christ like to me it was, it was so foreign to me
0: how did that happen
1: uh i don't know really you know that, at that age i had no idea i just remember him starting to go to church, he's reading his Bible. I remember one day we're sitting in the living room and Jehovah's Witnesses came and knocked on the door and he just started telling them how wrong they were and started preaching to them. And to me I was kinda of sitting there like, What's going on here? And uh and so he talked about the Lord. I heard him singing about Jesus and uh but yeah, that was that was his life. You know, after that it was all about Jesus. And I remember my mom just well, you know, he's just got religious and that's what he's doing now, and whatever, whatever. He's back with you know. Of course, she said bad things about his wife, but uh, but yeah. But when uh, he passed away, he was sick. Mm. He got sick. I mean, he he was a, a alcoholic before that. Rage. I mean, bad alcoholic, and so he he actually died because of the result of his liver. Oh my gosh! Yeah, stuff wow. like that, and uh,
0: but so it must have been a pretty radical change in his life. It was, and you it, su- you got to see that. I
1: saw that. Wow. I saw it firsthand, but it's, it still didn't register to me, you know, because my mom, my other family members on my mom's side, they were, they were Seventh Day Adventists, kind of religious, uh, too. But me and my mom and my brother, we were like the, the heathens. Oh wow! Yeah, so my mom would make fun of them. They would have fellowships on Saturdays. She say, "Oh, you're going to open your restaurant to all those people and." religious stuff. I remember they have family worship. They'd st- stand around and, and i get caught up in that sometimes. I always wanted to leave. Um, but yeah, so I kind of grew up knowing about God but just didn't want any of it. I didn't want that uh, because my mom made so made fun of it so much. And even going to Catholic school, you know, the private school, I was like, this is so fake. Mm. You know, well, it was crazy. I remember... They make you go to confession.
0: Oh, so this was the private school?
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yep. the private school. They, they conf- I remember in confession, I remember sitting down in front of the priest, and the priest is telling me, asking me, so what have I done wrong? And I'm, I remember thinking, which is weird. It had to have been God, but I'm, I remember thinking, like, he has to ask me. Like, he doesn't know. Like, I don't, and, and, and the thought came to my mind, God knows everything I've done. Hmm. And, uh, and I told him, you know, I'm in you know, grade school, whatever, I forget. You know, I just told him, oh, I cheated on tests test and this and that, and he tells me. Uh well, go say to our fathers, "A glory be." Five Hail Marys. I'm like, all right, you know, go mumble that real quick. But that moment, me, that moment stuck with me for some reason. I remember even when after, you know, late, years later when I joined the Marine Corps, I uh, they asked me what religion I was. I said, well, no preference. And the reason why was was because I said something was wrong with, you know, the the religion that I was around. I guess so. I just. I remember just that sticking with me. Hmm. So.
0: Interesting. So you uh, you got into your teen years. You got kind of caught up in a bad crowd. Uh, where did that lead to exactly?
1: Um, more problem. I started getting, as I get older, you get around guys that doing more dangerous things, you know, um, shootings, uh, I mean, drug deals. Uh, I remember we're at the park one day, and police came out of everywhere. I mean, they're coming out of the woods. And I'm, I, at first, when this, this van drove by real slow, and we we're like, "Drive by," you know, we're thinking, "Okay, this is it." But it was it was undercover police. They come around. They're surrounding us. They we're on the ground, handcuffs. They're searching our cars. And what's crazy? They they went through all the cars. I guess somebody called and said they're doing something in the park. And they're going through all the cars searching. And, you know, they're pulling out liquor bottles and all that. But I had drugs in my car. My car was the only car that didn't get searched. And I remember, I still, to that, I think about that, you know, sometimes I like, that was God. Wow. That was God's grace. You could have been put away for that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, of course, I was just ignorant. You know, kind of, I got tired of it. I, I knew I, I you know, my my mom was raised me so well, but it's like I was just doing what I wanted to do, no direction in life really. Um, I work in a grocery store, you know. You know, I wasted all the money my mom sacrificed to to give me this education. I and I, I may mean, I learned some things, obviously that better than I would have learned in in some in public school probably, but I wasted all of it. I, you know, I just lived crazy and. Uh, I remember being tired of it. I remember coming home. It's like I don't want to go out anymore. I'm tired of the street. I'm tired of you know what I was seeing. And uh, you know, one day my friend called me. He was like, "Hey, I'm in line at the Marine Corps recruiter. You want to go to boot camp with me?"
0: Where did that come from? Yeah, out of nowhere. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He was just called me, and he was like, "Hey, you want to you want to go to boot camp with me?" And I remember just saying, "Sure."
0: Just like that. Just like that. Without any thought. Without well, any thought. No, you weren't patriotic. No, I
1: wasn't. There was nothing. I don't want to go serve my country. No, nothing. I, I remember I had seen so many military movies. Right. And I, all the boot camp scenes, I was like, I like that. I, you know, and uh, I said, you know what? Let's do it. Wow. You know, to be, I didn't even know the Marine Corps existed,
0: to be honest. <laughs> I knew
1: Army, Air Force, Navy, yeah. you know, and uh, so that was a shock. So I just i signed up. And that How was, old were you? I was 18.
0: 18? Yeah. Boy, they love 18 year olds, don't they? they? (laughs) Young men. (laughs) Yeah. So, we'll describe that. What was that like for you? How did it change you?
1: It got me away. Okay. That was important. That was the first thing. I still had some bad habits. Um, I didn't realize I was alcoholic. I had become my father, womanizer. Uh, I had a bad drinking problem. I I didn't even know. You know, my wife, my girlfriend then, you know, she'd tell me, like, now, nah. you know," but yeah, I was I was uh, pretty bad, drinks, had alcohol in my car. Uh, but uh, the I guess the good thing that initially was getting me away from the crowd mm-hmm. of those other guys who were you know up to no good. So I was now I was up to no good by myself, you know just in a marine so but it gave me some direction i i definitely learned some discipline sure responsibilities yeah you can't go through marine
0: corps boot camp without getting at least some discipline right <laughs> yeah 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 exactly exactly so
1: so that was good it yeah. got me away i moved away you know the bad thing initially uh that i got stake i joined the reserves at first and the bad thing about that is that my first duty station was right back in washington dc oh wow yeah, so I was kind of around the same crowd and stuff, but you know, eventually I said, like, I can't do this. I got to go active duty, and I went active duty, and it moved me out of the area, and that's actually what brought me to Virginia.
0: Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So skipping forward to yes. Virginia is where it started happening, huh? Yes. <laughs> yes. So how long were you in the Marine Corps?
1: Um, I was in from 96 to 2002.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, about six years yeah did you did you um did you have any um like tours or any place that you went?
1: no, no, no they, I was in what they call the peacetime corps, uhhuh you know, we were kind of just in the Marines, and nothing was really going on, so. waiting for a fight, yeah pretty much <laughs> I got I remember when nine eleven happened, yeah, you know, I was like, finally, right, you know they brainwashed you pretty good, you are like, like, let's go kill somebody, you right. know? but uh you know, I was re- ready, I had my bags packed, I'm ready to go and uh, but nothing happened, huh but and that time span nothing Afghanistan didn't happened, nothing so right, ended up getting out you okay know.
0: so okay, so you you come to Virginia, this is the first time in Virginia, mm-hmm. and you end up in is it Newport News? Yes, Newport, News, no, was stationed okay. in
1: Newport News. It was actually uh I guess because of my reserve background, I got stationed at a reserve unit, okay, and I had to train the reservists. You know, there, rifle range, you know. So that was pretty much where I, uh, I was there. And uh,
0: and so there was a, a fellowship church in Newport News or in Hampton, I think. It was at in the Hampton, time. yes. Uh-huh. It was uh, Oscar Gafford. Pastor Oscar Gafford. Yes. Man. Yes. So what was that like? What was the church like at that time? And how did you,
1: like, what's the story that brought you in connection to the church? I was at my apartment. I was uh, taking out my trash. And I remember seeing these girls... Uh, at my my sergeant lived in one of the apartments near me and I saw these girls at his door. I said, "Man, there must be there must be some party going on. They're inviting people out to his party." And uh and they're inviting me to a party. So I'm taking all my trash. And I'm on my way back from the trash and here come these these ladies approaching me. I said, "Oh, they must want me to go to their party." <laughs> and uh but they just start telling me about Jesus. You know, uh I hadn't heard a witness in I don't know, forever. And uh, I remember just thinking, like, why not? You know, they gave me the gospel, and they asked me if I wanted to pray. And I said, yes, just like that. I said, yes, let's pray. Hmm. And uh, I think it was, uh, they were like, you want to be to church Sunday? I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll come to church Sunday. But I mean, it was a sat Was it a Friday? I think it was a Friday evening, afternoon outreach. And I remember going to the club. I, I'm going to the club that night. Wow. And, uh, yeah, I went to the club, a party. As I do at the club, I was so that, that sounds like a spiritual battle going on. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm, of course, again with the alcohol. And uh, Saturday morning, they come to follow up on me. It was actually Pastor Prescott, oh Antonio wow, Antonio Prescott comes and follows up on me. Uh, him and somebody else, I forget who it was, they came and followed up on me and talk about church. But I had already decided I'm going to church. Wow, I'm gonna go. I know I party last night. And uh, I'll I'll take you to church. I said, no, am sorry, right. I'll get there. I'll get there. No, I'll pick you up. You know, the good twisting of the, <laughs> you know. So I was all right. I let him pick me up. Picks me up. I don't remember the last time I'd been in church. You know, just. And so we drive. And church was a garage. You know, so, okay, it says uh, the Potter's house. I think it was the Potter's house. Or the door. I, I can't remember. But uh, it was this garage. Build America Drive. Wow. I mean, it was back in between all these other industrial little buildings and we go inside and here's it's a handful of people in there. You know, they're all looking at me like, who's this guy? <laughs> yeah, That's how I felt, yeah. you know, that's how I felt. And then uh, and that's how Pastor Gafor and I was like, he's an Indian guy. Yeah. You know, for that, that threw me off right, right away. Um, I don't remember the sermon. But I know I, I, I answered the altar call. I did, and uh, that was it. Wow! I was I was sold out after that. Yeah, just like that. Just like that. I I was sold out. They they're like, oh, we have outreach.
0: Man, I, we pray for converts like you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I showed up on Friday for outreach. Really? Wow! I showed up. I was there for outreach. I remember them staring at me. Like, like you're like not they, supposed to be here, right? <laughs> and I showed up. I'm outreaching. Uh, they go street preaching. I'm street preaching with them. You know, I was so excited. I, I just something about it was like this is real. Like my my eyes were opened. Mm-hmm. You know that life was more than just this. What I was doing. That life. That God was the reality of God. Uh, heaven. You know the reality of, of of making it to heaven, and genuine relationships. You know nobody was there trying to use me. You know, we weren't trying to, you know, I was like, well, I can have fun and not be drunk. Yeah, you know? that's a weird revelation, right? Yeah, we're just, I mean, I never fellowshiped. And, I'm, you know, they invite me over playing cards and taboo or whatever. At first, I'm thinking this is going to be boring. And I had the greatest time of my life. Right. Conversation. Now, this was great. I, I loved it. uh, And I ate it up. Yeah. I ate it up. And that's pretty much, uh, you know. So you
0: mentioned a girlfriend before. Yes. So where is she at during this whole time?
1: She was in college. Okay. She was in college. She was studious. She, <laughs> I was not. She was taking the high road. <laughs> yes, she was taking the high road, and we were actually in the process of breaking up. Yeah. You know, she we met when we were sixteen. You know, she was my girlfriend. You know, on and off. You know, since we were sixteen. But uh I remember I always said, you know, what uh, if I ever get married, she'd be the one I'd marry, and. uh I remember calling her. I got saved and I called her. She's at call us, Hey, Deanna, uh, do you want to get married? And it it hadn't spoken in a while. She's like, Who is this? <laughs> That's great. She, I thinking, <laughs> Who is this? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's Ed. And she's like, she's like, I was like, was like oh, you want to get married? Well, it's funny. She said, Yeah. Seriously? She said yes. So funny thing, she She must be crazy. <laughs> So she didn't. I told her I got saved, and she she's like, whatever. She invites me up to college, her college. I'm gonna go visit her, and I'm saved now. I'm really I'm saved. I've really been converted. I go up there, and I didn't know it then, but they pla They her friends tra- try to trap me. I go I go to her, her house or dorm, whatever where she was with all her friends, and they have all kinds of liquor. They planned it on purpose. They had all kinds of mixed drinks. They put all kinds of stuff everywhere. Uh, they, they started playing some X-rated films right in front of me, right in the middle, thinking I'm going to. I didn't give in to any of it. I, they, they couldn't believe it. you know. So my wife, she said, when you didn't do anything, she said, I knew something had changed. I knew something was different. Uh, and uh, and I was like, yeah, I, I, I'm, this is real to me now. You know, I'm not just a phase or anything. And so later on, um, you know, she comes down to Hampton. And uh, I said, we're gonna get married. We're gonna we're gonna get right, you know. And uh, her whole family neither one of our families knew. And uh, but we're gonna get married, and so we had this tiny little wedding. I mean, again, it's Pastor Gapor. She actually had to stay with Pastor Gapur. Pastor Gophore was like, Well, before I marry you, she has to be willing to stay with me or some stay with our family in our home. It was, you know, you know, so she was like, but she did, she stayed, she stayed there. She said, if she wasn't willing to stay, I probably wouldn't have married you guys or something, but just to see, uh, kind of awkward think back. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, it was, we got married in that tiny little building, handful of people and, uh, yeah, been together ever since twenty almost twenty two years later. Man. Uh, what a blessing. Yeah, Gosh. Yeah.
0: All right. Well <laughs> all right. So you're 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 young. Mm-hmm. You were probably twenty four, twenty five.
1: Yeah, twenty twenty one.
0: Twenty one. Yes. Okay. Well okay, gotcha. So you married at twenty one. Yes. You get out of the Marine Corps at like twenty five. Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah. And so you're living in Newport News. You're going to a small church, Pastor Oscar Gafford. Mm-hmm. So at some point, you are now this pastor of the amazing church here in Spring Lake, North Carolina. <laughs> and uh, so where did that journey begin, discipleship and the call of God and all that stuff?
1: Um, definitely, I didn't know. It was Pastor Gafford that told me that God had called me to be a preacher. Really? You know, yeah, it didn't mean anything to me then. You know, he had called a bunch of guys into the office. Hey, what's God called for you? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? I had no idea. Everybody, I'm going to be a preacher. I'm going to be this. I said, I don't know. And we're actually on the outreach, and he tells me, God told me you're going to be a preacher. Okay. And uh, it hadn't registered to me. But as I'm in church and as I'm being discipled, you know, uh, Pastor Ford left to go to India six months after I got saved. Mm. Another pastor came in. Pastor Rosario. No, this was another guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, another guy is not in the fellowship anymore. Uh he came in um you know, moved us into another building and it funny the building that we moved into was right next to my marine unit. Oh a, wow. It was the building right next door. We shared a shared a fence. And uh and so there I mean the discipleship continued. Uh I knew that I was going to end up getting out uh, against my family's wishes, against mm. my wife's family's wishes. so I know there's a call in my life to preach this gospel. Uh, that pastor, you know, through circumstances ended up leaving fellowship. Then Pastor Rosario came in. Okay. Pastor Rosario came in and... Uh, discipleship continued.
0: Yeah. You know? So, what kind of uh, ministry expression did you have in the church there?
1: I was the song leader. Okay. Yeah. So I started as song leader, and that was kind of my ministry for, you know, uh, for the remainder of my time there. So, song leader, and eventually door director. Um, but yeah.
0: So you were there at really a pivotal time when the church began to kind of grow quite a bit. Yes. And yes. there was some revival that happened in Hampton.
1: Definitely. So.
0: To, let's know what what was that like
1: to be honest it's it's my most memorable times of my salvation those years with uh uh Pastor Rosario a lot of those guys that were uh there at the time it was uh it was powerful it was powerful for me kind of tear up a little bit thinking mm. about it you know you you, you it's kind of like you, you you're in the trenches with guys and they're not around anymore sometimes it's mm. like it's uh it's a, a lot has happened. Yeah, you know, I'm on my sixth pastor now or something like that. But uh it was incredible, just the zeal, the you know, the outreaches, the fellowshipping, the the relationship building with the pastor, uh, you know, Bible studies and you know, follow up. It was it was, it was, it was just, we were eating it up. We loved it. I mean, I I did a lot. I was also in a rap group, you know, redeemed. <laughs> it was the name of the rap group. It was myself, yeah, Pastor Prescott, another guy. Uh, uh, we were uh, the one, the, um, it was a couple of guys at first. But anyway, but we were, we were, we were, we were at it for a while. Uh. And I love. we love. we went everywhere. Uh, I just loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was just it. I just, it was, it was, it was, it was really, uh, you know, like a developing time. But I knew I wanted to, I knew I was going to pastor. Mm. I couldn't tell you where or what, uh, but I knew this is what God wanted me to do. And I ended up getting out and uh, I got out of the Marine Corps and started moving furniture. Yeah. For NASA. For NASA. For NASA. So I always tell people, hey, where you work? I, I work at NASA. Right. Yeah, it's kind of brag. <laughs> oh, yeah, I work at NASA. I wouldn't tell them I move furniture. But yeah, God, Somebody got to do it. Yeah, somebody has to do it. <laughs> yes. But there, God kept promoting me, uh-huh. kept opening doors for me. Uh was able to get government jobs and so on and so forth and making good money. But um, I was just waiting for that day. It was August of 2005. I got launched out. To Chesapeake,
0: man. So August of two thousand five, we would have been standing on the stage together. Oh, wow. On that conference, <laughs> that's wild. Yes, that is wild because that was the same conference we got sent into oh. Chicago, or at least launched into. Yeah. Uh, we ended up obviously other other places. So, so say that again.
1: You were you were sent from from Hampton, Hampton out to the city of Chesapeake, Chesapeake. Yes, that's initially okay. the initially where we were going to go was Chesapeake. Okay. And, of course, we drove around there, everywhere. We're like, no, this isn't it. And uh, we ended up in Virginia Beach, as you know. We're at the, we're at the Bayside, Virginia Beach. Right. Uh, so that's where we got launched out to. We, started, we actually got to, launched August 2005, got to uh, our townhouse in Virginia Beach over in that area in January of 2006. And so we were there January 2006, started uh, pioneering in our living room, which was exciting, uh, exciting times there. And uh, just outreaching, you know, doing what we do, pioneering. And God uh, built a small work in the, in, the, in the living room. It was actually, uh, I remember, uh, one main disciple, then uh, Ruth, who's there in Portsmouth now, and uh, you know, uh, like a handful of other people. Then our first building was like this industrial building on Air Rail Boulevard uh, uh, in in, uh, Virginia Beach. I mean, back before GPS was a thing, you really needed needed it to find (laughs) this building. Oh my gosh, such a weird location. Uh, We were upstairs in this heating and air AC building the, the, we shared a space with his body painter. Oh, it was so weird. <laughs> oh my gosh. So sometimes he'd leave his door open and we, there's all kind of peop you know, paintings in there. We'd come back in one come in there one day. He has like underwear laid out on the floor. I was like, We gotta move. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get out of here. But you know, it was funny, you know, we, we saw some growth there. We saw some growth in that building and then um I think uh then you know, we were there I forget how long we were there, but then we moved into the other space over there. Off of independence, um, uh, I think that's independence. Right? So for for
0: the guy who is currently in the place where you were at that time, yes, who's beating his head against the wall with a handful of people, yes. struggling with buildings. Mm-hmm. What what's the best thing that you could share with somebody like that?
1: Hmm. Just, I, just trust God. I mean, I mean, it's really what else? What else can you do? you know I mean i remember we we handed out thousands of flyers you know and uh but god god is faithful the way god works things out you know you know keeping your heart right yeah and that's one thing that i i pastor rosario told me is that, ed nothing else matters besides your heart being right i that that has been i live by that
0: mm. uh that's that's not Original Pastor Rosario. That's Pastor Campbell advice. Okay, yeah. I got that from him. Same uh, same revelation.
1: Amen, amen. So yeah, it's passed down the impartation of Mm -hmm. just keeping my heart right, loving God, loving my wife, loving people, and continue to pray, outreach. And so uh, even pioneering, you see some growth, you see some decrease, some growth decrease. And
0: uh, was was it frustrating for you? Because I know it was for me, and maybe it is for a lot of guys, Mm -hmm. to... To come out of an environment where there's like revival happening and where people, there's this hunger for discipleship. Yeah. That's what there was in Chandler too. And to go out from that and you're trying to reproduce that, but you realize that there's a reason why that atmosphere is there. Somebody has fought for and prayed for mm-hmm. and, you know, sacrificed to make that atmosphere possible. Now all of a sudden you're trying to re- regenerate that as very, very difficult to do. Yes. Yes. So did you find that, that same frustration? It was,
1: I guess I was so, in, honestly, I, I was so in love with just being out there and laboring. There were frustrations when you pass out the flowers, nobody shows up. Right. You get those, or you know, the, you get the, the, the pioneer pastor thing where you're leaning out the window trying to see <laughs> where, 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 it, where are the people coming. But we, you know, I was, honestly, I remember being grateful. And for anybody that was there, you know, and I knew, of course, you, you want more growth, you want more people. But I remember just being grateful for the people that were there. You know, they weren't, you know, quote unquote, discipleship quality. You know, they didn't all, you know, talk to talk, walk to walk. But, you know, they were there. They were faithful. And so I, I remember just being appreciative of appreciative of that, um, wanting to see more. But I, there, there came a time where I know God was like, you need to come back. I didn't want to. Mm-hmm. And it was, was it pride? Maybe was it? I just loved the people that were there. Yes, I did love them as well. But I knew, I knew uh, God was saying, "Come back." And so, uh, I think it was twenty ten. Or I went to Pastor Campbell's office. Like God's telling me to go back for redirection. And again, this is a, another pastoral change that's taking place at the time in my mother church. Some things were going on there. I didn't want to go back there, honestly. I so I don't want to go back there. But God told me to go back there. And uh, sure enough, go back. And uh, we're there for about two years. Uh, and the call to Guyana came. Wow. Yes, which was, you know, I had been to Guyana for a week on the Impact team. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'll never go back there. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this place stinks. Never say that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'll never go somewhere. Yeah. That's <laughs> like magic words in yeah. God's ears. Yeah, okay. I was, yeah. <laughs> I
1: was, yeah. I was like, this place stinks. There's trash everywhere. You know, how could you live here? Blah, blah. You know, I'm complaining about things. You know, of course, the people were oh, Okay. But the, the nation itself, I was like, no way. And... uh I mean, God literally gave me a vision. My first vision I ever had, I'm weeping at an altar. It was actually here in Spring Lake. Really? It was here in Spring Lake uh, during a revival. Uh, Pastor Tori Williams was pastoring here. And uh, Alva Smith was preaching. I don't even remember the sermon. I was upset by so many things. I guess it was frustrating things were going on in my mother church, but I'm just, you know, keeping my heart right. That that I just I have to live. I just keep my heart right, and at the altar, just God puts guy in my heart. Wow. I'm seeing faces. I'm seeing people. I'm seeing the nation. All of this. It was almost like that Macedonian cry kind of thing, like "Come help us" kind of thing. It was weird, and I'm just, you know, snot flowing, everything crying, and uh, and I got up. But it was crazy, I was so upset things that were going on. It's almost like that vision came, but i didn't uh I didn't fully register, which was which was odd uh until they're they're discussing whether or not you know they're trying to find somebody to go into Guyana uh the pastor at the time that was in Guyana uh there had talks about him going back to England or maybe he's gonna go go back uh so we didn't know so. So he he left his conference, went back to Guyana. So I guess we're not going to go to Guyana. You know, they had asked, I guess we're not going to go there. The pastor's there. And my wife said that God spoke to her. And she was reading. She said, I'm in the store. I'm actually in Food Lion. She said, God spoke to her while I'm in Food Lion. I don't know why during that time. But she said that uh, God said, open to the book of Luke. And my wife's like, what? Where? where? Luke, Luke chapter 5. And so she said she opened to the Luke chapter 5 It says, you know, you're you're like you're you're you came back in, you're washing your nets, but I want you to go back out and launch into the deep for a great catch. And uh she spoke that to me when we came back and she's like, God, we're gonna go overseas. You know, we've and we've had that heart. You know, we're saved and we knew we're missionaries. And I speak fluent Spanish. I'm thinking I'm gonna go to some Spanish country one right. day. And uh, nope, it's Guyana. The only English speaking country in South America. And uh sure enough, the tragedy that the pastor in the church died. And, uh, he passed away. The pastor in Guyana. And so we knew it's going to come. We're going. Mm-hmm. Sure enough, Prescott Conference, January thir- uh, January 2013. We got launched out a Prescott Conference to go to Guyana.
0: Wow. Yeah. What an adventure. Yes. Just just to get up and go yeah. is is an amazing thing. But um, so it, that's kind of a strange situation to have a pastor that has passed away. Yes. It was un- unexpected, correct? Definitely. And, um, so what was that like, and what was the state of the church, and how did it go?
1: Um, before we went, Pastor Nigel Brown and Pastor Campbell both sat with me in uh Prescott conference. We sat down and he said, "Listen, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a divide in the church. The churches you got some of the new new people and the old people there there's like a there's division. He said, "You're going to feel it when you get there." And uh, you know, I, I remember going there. Which was kind of like you said. You go. You, it's weird. It's, it's funny to have a plane ticket with no return for I know,
0: <laughs> dude. Okay, I got to tell a quick story. Yes. Okay, so <laughs> when we became missionaries, we got we got a plane ticket, but what was funny? It was cheaper to buy with a return. Mm. So <laughs> we we had a there was a time you know we we had just picked the date for the return date, not expecting to come back. Mm-hmm. But I can remember. I think it was about three months later that the return flight was coming up and I remember holding the ticket in my hands, <laughs> looking at it like, oh we could go back. <laughs> we could go back. It was but then it was like it was like when David poured out the water to the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up tearing
1: up the return ticket. <laughs> so, okay yes. Lord, we'll stay. We'll stay. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I remember the flight. I remember it was snowing the flight to New York. You know, that were my, my 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 uh my changed my changed flights, I remember going there, I remember in my mind I'm tormented. I'm like I'm going to this nation, I'm gonna pass these pe this church, uh no return flight. I remember just God help, you know, I have no idea. So just getting there and disciples picking me up from the airport, you know. Going in, I have to stay in the deceased pastor's house. Oh, wow. Which was an experience. Oh, yeah. You know, remember, you know, you get there, you're in a third world country. You never, you know, you visited, but living there is another, as you you know, is another thing. You know, I'm living there and, uh, you know, know, don't drink the water. You know, make sure you get the water. I'm like, all right, well, you can use the water to wash things. All right, let me open the faucet. And the first thing that comes out is a frog, you know, yeah, you know. You know, I, we got bats, you know, I'm there by myself first, my, my wife and my, my boys hadn't come yet. And so this, I'm like, whoa, this is what, this is, uh, yeah, it was, it was not America.
0: No. <laughs> you, know, you know, Okay.
1: Power outages and, you know, cold, cold, we didn't have hot water and, uh, but back to the church, you know, so get, uh, you know, get to the church and, uh. So yeah, there's this divide between the disciples, you know, some of the newer guys and some of the older guys are there. They wouldn't talk to each other. They wouldn't sit with each other. I mean, you see this divide. And I remember just having to deal with that. You start to, you know, bring it back together. That, you know, this is God's work and, and God did what God did. And uh, praise God, uh, we move forward. We were able to move out of the building they we were in. It was uh, kind of coming apart and a lot went into that. Uh, but, but God's faithful. God is so faithful, and what He's done, and what He's still doing in that nation—it's uh, a miracle. Yeah, definitely a miracle, a miracle of God.
0: And uh, so you—you you were able to repair some some damage in yes. the church there. Yes, that—that that, you know that to me is just as exciting as the story of revival breaking out and lots of people getting saved. Amen. Sometimes you know, sometimes seeing a church recover. Is just as exciting yes. as revival. Yes. And so, did did you um, did you experience um, uh, any, any growth of the church while you were there too?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Actually, we we did experience some growth when we got there. Uh, the church, which is still a good size, I mean, it was at you know, it was in his fifties. It's 50s. Mm-hmm. It was in his fifties. Um, uh, while we were there, we we got up to like 150. Wow. We got 150 people. Well, that's amazing. Yes. Yes. All God. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, and that fluctuated from time to time. Different things, we were able to get into the orphanages and uh, do some ministry there. And um, so those, uh, but we stayed, it stayed up there. It stayed up there. Um, uh, we eventually were able to launch out uh, uh, Pastor Travis Simons, we wife, the pioneer work. Um, and then uh, after, I think we, I got there 2013, January, January 2013, I got a phone call uh, from Pastor Larry Mitchell about me coming back um, 2017 sometime. Um, and uh, he said, uh, you know, I said, all right, you know, this is God or whatever, you know, this this moment, you know, been praying about it. I, di- I didn't want to bring another missionary in there. I said, you know what, this guy's ready to, you know. To, this church is ready to be nationalized. Uh, Travis has been here, he's been the main disciple here for years, He's pastoring now. But he was already having fruit in the church that he uh, was pioneering. I said, I'm gonna bring him back to assist for a period of time first, you know. So he came back, he was there, just kind of. And I, so he came back to assist, and I launched out the door director to take over the pioneer work that we put out there. And, uh, you know, after some time, announced to the church that we were leaving, and, uh, but that here you have here's your new pastor, he's he's one of you, uh, and the church just uh, erupted in applause. And wow! There there, were, there was just a it was a powerful moment, really powerful moment, um, and emotional moment for everybody. Uh, you know they have been trying to get people to go to Guyana, and nobody. It's like you go there, you're like you you see why a lot of times people don't want to live there or stay there. They hadn't right. had a pastor. They had people that caretake, you know, took care of the church, but no one's anybody that went there didn't stay longer than a year and a half. Wow! And uh, so I was the only one who was there for the amount of time we were there, and so I was like, "This church doesn't need another missionary. This church is ready." So again, we announced them as a pastor. I mean, they've it's been nationalized, and they're doing fantastic
0: wow so that was 2017 you yes, said yes yes so it's now 2022 we're five years down the road mm-hmm. what's the what's the progress report have you been back to visit yes and what's going on down there i
1: go there every year wow every year though we do a, you gotta a, take
0: me with you yes
1: <laughs> we do we have planned that right after this interview and so uh every year we do a rally okay and so they invite the area churches from suriname uh, trinidad they come over um and now there's more works in Guyana now. They've launched, just recently at this conference, Prescott, they launched two more churches to Guyana. The uh, church in California launched Brandon and Veronica, who are there. New missionaries? Yes. Wow. And new missionaries to Guyana. And so they were uh, awesome to meet them the last time we went. And uh, so they do the Pioneer Ride, discipleship still happening there. Um, you know, teen ministry, you know, the, the street evangelism, everything. And they're a fellowship church and so him. it's it's uh that's exciting it's got to it be is. exciting for you yes it is it is it's, it's you left it, a piece
0: of your heart
1: over there right yes yeah. definitely definitely and so they uh, you know obviously it was you know still supportive of them of every, in every kind of way they're coming to conference this year
0: holy ghost know, which
1: is great you know great relationship with them um it's amazing you know some you know like you see sometimes you, you you know we were talking earlier is like God, how, why, you know, and it's it's just a miracle god what god is what God does and what he's doing, you know,
0: and what's interesting to me is I think I think about the time when you were you know had a handful of people in Virginia Beach, yes, and to connect together everything that God is doing in Guyana with what God was doing in Virginia Beach, yes, like there are lessons that you're still using today that you use that you learned back in the mother church Newport News when you started pioneering mm-hmm. and you know you are you are the sum total of all of those experiences right amen and that's what that's what i've discovered is that you know whether i'm in nigeria preaching and there's 200 people repenting at the altar <laughs> or if i'm on a street corner and nobody's listening to me <laughs> I'm still the same guy, you know? And yes. it, it's all the results are up to
1: God. Amen.
0: Yeah. And That's right. I, it's, it's just, a, a like you said, it's a reason to give glory to God. So to wrap uh, wrap up our time here, I, you came back to Newport News yes. for a time that you were assisting. Yes. I bet that was an adjustment to come back.
1: It was an adjustment. I had never, one, I had never met Pastor Larry Mitchell face to face. There was a transition that took place while I was in Guyana. Right. So I came back. Uh, I, I'm I'm curious yes. if
0: why did he call on you? Because it seemed like things were going really well down there. Like, had you made it known, or was it a time for you to come back, or do do we I, ever? I
1: think there were just things happening in the mother church. Maybe. Okay,
0: okay. I mean, so I mean, they probably wanted some
1: stability. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and uh, that or it might have been financial. Okay. But uh, he called back, and you know, I guess he. had Got with the council, and they said it would be a good good idea if I came back. Okay. At that time, and then you know, actually, Pastor Larry Mitchell was going to have surgery. Ah, I remember that. Yes, he was going to have surgery. You know, all this time, you know, you know, he had the problem with his right. neck. he had the health problem. Right, and so we didn't know it was actually a brain thing, mm-hmm. and so it was pretty serious. And so it was kind of like just in case, right, kind of moment too okay. when I came there. Um, and uh, I remember saying to myself again you said never say never <laughs> you know I, you know going back out i remember the I thing was jerry fussell was there gave us a word said don't unpack your bags yet you know you got to go somewhere else and then in my mind oh we're going overseas again uh-huh you know and it's like i I, was, I remember saying i don't want to pasture in the states and i especially don't want to pasture in North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my exact words. I, I said I, I never. I said I never.
0: We love all you people from North Carolina, but yes. there's something going on. Yeah,
1: I say like, I've never passed North Carolina, and uh, actually, I had just gotten back from South Africa. Went for Pastor Hector Ortiz. I'm thinking maybe I'll go to South Africa, you know, and uh, but it was a Saturday morning uh, there in Newport News, and Pastor Campbell had happened to be there. And he calls me and said, I need you to come to the office, you know, Pastor Larry Mitchell, Pastor Campbell. And they said, you know, are you willing to go to Spring Lake, you know? And uh, I was like, uh, you know, let me pray. You know, my wife, so I need to know now. (laughs) They pretty much. And uh, so it's Saturday morning. Me and my wife are like, yeah, we're willing. He said, all right, pack your bags got to go tomorrow yeah (laughs) that's exactly what happened so you're gonna take over the church tomorrow oh my gosh and so it's uh saturday i'm driving down of course i couldn't sleep you know i'm you know i'm i'm in my hotel room up all night what am i gonna preach what was gonna happen you know you know i remember just like you said we're just flesh and bone you know not like we're always you know, people think they look at us behind the pulpit thing that we walk with all this extreme confidence all the time. We obviously, as God, we you know we trust in God, but there's moments where I'm just like, God, you got to do something because I definitely can't. And uh, I remember me and my wife we drove here to this building. They were already in this particular building, and we come in, and I don't know anybody here. You know, um, we're walking around. They're like they're treating us like visitors. You know, they have no idea I'm coming to take over the church.
0: Oh, my god! And so I'm,
1: we're, we're kind of walking around. We got here early for the day, around prayer time or Sunday school or whatever. And we're looking around. We're kind of just looking in the windows and <laughs> walking around. They're like, hey, welcome to Victory Chapel. Blah, 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 you wow. know. So we come in. Well,
0: they don't know you. You don't know them. Right.
1: <laughs> and, and they're expecting somebody else. Right. They're expecting some other guy to come take over. And so we go and, uh, you know, sit on the platform uh with Pastor Tozer. He was there. He was going to be turning over the service. And so everybody's kind of staring like, oh, that's that's him. That's the new guy, the new, <laughs> you know. And so transition happens. Uh, and, uh, but it's been great. The church, wow. the church received this very well. Um, it was, uh, again, another, you know, you take, like you say, you take over a church, you know. People have, you know, people have different expectations and different things, and so. But we just love people. We love God. Love people. Love my wife, you know. And God, God does everything, you know. And uh, God's been faithful. We've we seen growth. We've definitely seen some growth here in the church. It's, uh, just there's a lot of life. Uh, just, just the atmosphere. It's just God, the spirit of God. You know, yeah, I can say just by being
0: here for the last 24 hours, uh, you're in a really good place. Amen. The, the church here feels really healthy to me, and uh, obviously, I can't see everything behind the scenes, but just from preaching this morning and the spirit of the church and young men rising up, I'm really encouraged about the church here in Spring Lake, and they've got a good pastor. I, one thing I could uh observe about you is, is your family, I really appreciate your relationship with your wife and your, your boys. I wonder maybe you could talk for a moment about how maybe, maybe the transitions and bouncing around and what effect did that have on you guys as a family and how, how have you kept um, such a level head for your, for your sons? Yes.
1: Definitely. My, my marriage, besides Christ, obviously my marriage is also a refuge. My my wife and I, you know, she's my best friend and uh you know i feel like i could do anything with her you know and we have a great relationship and that that matters a lot to me it matters a lot to me and my boys you know she you know once she's willing to follow me anywhere and i'm i thank god that she, she ha, you know she has her own relationship with god that's on another level sometimes i think i'm like wow like you have these conversations with god like how would she tell me some of that stuff you know <laughs> uh but you know, moving around, you know, and you, you know, a lot of times people forget about the pastor's wife, you know, we're the guys behind the pulpit, sure. you know, we get, our pictures are on the flyers and stuff, and they don't see our wives and what they have to deal with. The true heroes. Exactly. The, the, you know, everything, the transitions are, it's difficult for them.
0: Absolutely. Um, they're, because our wives are much more relational, and so to, to have to leave friends and family members and and uproot the whole family that they they definitely are paying a higher price for those things.
1: Yes. And so much of what happens in the church, you know, like the wife, I mean, the lot, they're relational with the the ladies there. and What happens is, you know, you know, they get so little credit sometimes. Uh, But my boys, you know, they really, they're coming of age, kind of as they say now, there was all in Guyana. Right, and so which was great. I was glad they got that experience, but they didn't like. They did not like the moving around, you know. Like you said, the uprooting, one place to another, different schools. They've, you know, uh, my wife did homeschool for a period of time, which I'm glad she did. She imparted a lot of good things in them. Um, but uh, you know, they were born in Virginia, but they did not like North North Carolina. You know, to them, this was too country. Mm. They're like, wow, this is far. We're in the middle of the woods. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all of that. But, you know, I've I've seen them mature here. You know, I've seen them grow spiritually. Like, you know, they've always followed us wherever we went. Obviously, they're, they're our kids are going to go with us where we go. But here, I've seen them develop their own relationships with God. Well, that's got to be rewarding. Oh, it is beyond words to see your sons worship god mm. and they live for god you know i'm not you know you know before i'm working in the office and you hear people tell their kid their stores their kids are you know doing all kind of stuff i'm like they're talking about who i used to be mm. and i remember who i was at their age and to see my boys live for jesus christ at their age man it's to me it's like it's priceless. Yeah, yeah they're living for God, man. They're about to go off to college and different things, and you know, two of them saying that they want to be preachers. You know, possibly if God calls them, that they're willing to respond. And, uh man, it's awesome. Priceless, priceless. It's yeah. priceless. There's no words, you know. <laughs> if I could express everything that 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 I feel, and just thinking about them is, uh, you know, you're a proud, Papa.
0: Yeah. You know, absolutely. Well, Pastor Ed Tejero, that sounds like a great place to close out the, uh, uh, the time of testimony. But you've got one more thing you want to tell us.
1: One more thing. Guys, I thought about them. Them are my mom. Ah. My mom. You know what? I was just going to ask you. <laughs> my mother, the, the, the one who mocked the church and everything, she ended up getting saved at, because she started coming to our church while we were pioneering in Virginia Beach. She was coming to our church there. And I remember she responded to the altar call in tears, you know, saying, now I know this is the truth. And she got saved and she, re- you know, repented of all the other, because she used to defend her relationship with my dad and all kind of stuff. But she, she got right. She's saved to this day. You know, right now she, she watches every single live stream. She knows she's reading her Bible. Worship. I mean, she. She st- still live in Virginia? Yeah, she does. Uh-huh. She does. She does. I'm trying to move her down here, uh-huh. you know. Uh, but uh, that that also to me is is a testimony of just how powerful God is and His grace and uh, yeah the whole family thing
0: and every time I see her if I'm in Newport News she's always full of joy and uh, she greets me and she says hello and I you know if I if I can feel like I'm <laughs> close to her just by seeing her once a year I'm sure she's a, a bright light in everybody's lives there yes yes what a, what a miracle yes praise it God is, it is. Well, I, I feel like I should pull an altar call, but <laughs> well, I really appreciate the time and uh, what an incredible story that you have—testimony of God's grace and mercy. So, thank Amen. you for joining us for this thank time. Thank you for the
1: opportunity and privilege.
0: All right, guys, if you like what you heard, please let somebody know. Share this uh, this episode with somebody, and um, if you uh, if you want to continue hearing things like this, we appreciate your subscription, and uh, we're going to continue interviewing pastors like this on a weekly basis. Thanks a lot, guys, and we'll talk to you soon.